Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of This Is My Burger Podcast. My name is Perry, and man, oh man, do we have a special episode for you this week. This is actually going to be the first of two parts where we revisit what we got to do at Bourbon and Beyond. And this week, you're going to be able to enjoy all of the interviews that we did on Saturday. And unfortunately, as most of you might know, the festival had to be canceled on Sunday due to weather. And so a lot of the things that we had planned for Sunday, of course, had to be rescheduled or canceled or something of that nature. However, next week you are going to hear a really cool semi-wrap-up episode that I got to do with Fred Minnick and Paul, his good buddy, and then Autumn from the uh, Jephtha Creed Distillery. So be on the lookout for that next week. But this week, though, I, I'm not even going <laughs> to... I don't even want to tell you everything that's about to happen because I want you to be as surprised by it as I kind of was uh, going into it. I will say, though, uh, the very last thing that you are going to hear was recorded on Sunday instead of Saturday, but it felt more natural to kind of lump it in with everything else that we did on Saturday. So enjoy that. Um, I will be back at the end of the episode to wrap everything up and, again, plug our social media things. Um, I also want to say, actually, before we get in, I just realized we actually were able to sit in during Bourbon and Beyond uh, at a few workshops and seminars and I got the audio from all of that, as well as the audio from the press conference on Friday before uh, everything kind of kicked off on Saturday. Now, if you want to hear that audio, and I promise you that you do, you are going to want to head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast, because that's where all of that audio is going to be posted. And that's going to be kind of trickling out over the next couple of weeks. And that's going to include workshops like the... Family Affair, uh, which was a tribute that Fred put on to the Russell family. Dave Pickerel from Whistle Pig sat in. Uh, Kenny from Bourbon Pursuit. And then uh, one of the guys from Bourboner. And then Peggy No Stevens. And it was a really good time. Uh, there was also a cocktail, a mixology seminar, too, that we were able to sit in on. Um, and then a, a discussion on change in the industry in terms of diversity. And yeah, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was a great uh, little bit. But again, if you want to go and check out that audio, again, that's going to be coming out over the next couple of weeks. And that's at patreon.com slash podcast. But until then, we have a bunch of stuff to get to. So I hope you enjoy it. And let's get on. From Uncle Nearest sitting yes. down with us. Fun. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks You're so welcome. Me. Yeah, of course. So you guys are a fairly new distillery. <laughs> in uh, the to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. We are under construction as we speak. So our 270-acre farm is being built out. We will be the third largest distillery in Tennessee. Here we go. <laughs> Look at this. We've got Uncle Nearest bottles. It looks like we've got a few. Uh, is this the cocktail that is 
Cinnamon maze. Okay. Right. Interesting. So Interesting. It is a Tennessee iced coffee, and Jeremy Johnson over at Meta okay. created this with Uncle Nearest. Thank you, Ricky. So, Richie. <laughs> Richie, sorry. I keep calling you Ricky. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we worked with a, a really close partner of ours here in Louisville. Uh, his name's Jeremy Johnson. He, he runs a bar called Meta. Well, he owns a bar called Meta. Um, he's very, very, very talented mixologist around town. Yeah, he's, cool. he's, uh, he's done a few really infamous things in the industry to kind of get his name out there. And, um, and we're really proud to partner with him on this cocktail. So, uh, so what we did is we wanted to, um, to come up with a cocktail that would be really popular for a daytime festival. Nice. And what better to keep you pepped up during a 12-hour festival than a little bit of coffee, right? Sure, so, sure. Yeah, so we, uh, obviously we started with uh, Uncle Nearest 1856 whiskey. Uh, and then we used some local cold brew from um, a coffee shop called Quills on Bardstown Road here in Louisville. Okay, perfect. Yeah, have you ever been there before? I think I have, actually. I got, I got married in Frankfurt, um, which is about 30 minutes from here. And we were here a little bit um, during that time. I'm pretty sure I've been there before. Yeah, it sounds familiar. It's very popular. Yeah. Bastown Road's a really, really kind of popular neighborhood, a little bit hipster. Sure. Love yeah. coffee shops. So, yeah, so we used <laughs> some that quill. intrinsic look. Yeah, no, definitely. They have some good stuff down there. Yeah, yeah. so we used some quills, um, cold brew coffee, uh, some Averna Italian liqueur. Just a little drop of that because okay. it's, it's kind of a strong flavor. So we just used a little bit of that. Sure. Um, some palm sugar syrup. And we had to actually source the um, the sugar discs uh, from a, a local Asian market. So that's wow. that's kind of special. Yeah, I know. Yep. And then we used the the Bolivar bitters, uh, a dash of sea salt, and then garnished it with an orange wedge. I got to be honest wow. with you. This is about the best coffee drink I think I've ever it had in my entire delicious. life. Oh, it really <laughs> is. Now, I saw the Jeremy did a, some footage on it as he was making it. And did he call it the best damn coffee? What did He did. I he did, did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd agree with that. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, it's, it is the best I just damn realized coffee. I haven't had any coffee today. Yeah. Oh, I had this coffee this morning. Coffee but well, well, there you have it. We're, we're, we're here for you, buddy. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you, Richie. Yeah. Are you, well, sta- are you sticking with us, Richie? Yeah, if you guys Come want on. to. Come yeah. on. You may as well. Pop you may as well. Well, I, yeah. I was listening to him and laughing because we are truly a Tennessee distillery. But here in Kentucky, Richie represents us here. And you got to love his accent from London. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, you don't sound like you're from around here, Richie. <laughs> At all. No, no, I'm not. But, I, you know, it's a little deceiving. I've been here a long time, though. Sure. So, sure. But it, so how long have you been here? Uh, I've been here for, let's see, I've been here since 2005. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. Okay. You've been here Good. longer than I have. Yeah, I've been here <laughs> since Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Curtis is from Ohio. Yeah, I'm from so. Ohio, so I've only been here since 2013, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So talk a little bit about your all's roles in the distillery. Now, you're the master distiller, correct? Oh, well, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if that means that I am I am the final taster, that I am the person who it goes through, and I am the one who drives our head of whiskey operations crazy sure. and the actual distillers crazy, <laughs> then yes. But I am the co-founder, co-CEO, and right. I'm the chief historian for the company. Okay. And uh, Richie is our ambassador here in Kentucky. So when you see Uncle Nearest out, in the bars, in the hotels, in the restaurants. He's the one who put it there. Awesome. (laughs) Cool. And you guys just launched basically your national market too, right? Yes. So we we launched the brand in July of 2017. It's got to be the fastest growing brand ever because we are now in 40 states and in four countries overseas. 
and we are going into eight additional states before this year in and seven additional countries outside wow. of the United States. So we'll be in 48 states and 11 countries by the end of the year. That is so That's crazy. It's so fast growing. <laughs> wow. I mean, you guys probably have no time. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But yeah. to, to me, like, this is already an identifiable whiskey. Yes. You know, like, I, I mean, I can walk into the store and I pretty much see it in just about every store that I go into. Amen to that. So, I mean, but, but I think that's a clear testament to the amount of work that you guys have put in, you know, in the past few years. And I think that's incredible just, you know, in and of itself that I was like, oh, Uncle Nears, I know exactly <laughs> what that distillery is. Yeah. But how, how have you guys been able to deal with that growth? I mean, that's pretty quick for a small craft distillery. <laughs> well, right? you know, it can be a little challenging. I think our warehouse <laughs> in California has been out of stock for three weeks. Oh, my gosh. And uh, oh. our warehouse in New Jersey just ran out of stock. So it's like a constant bottle and ship, bottle and ship, bottle sure, and ship. Like, Nothing sits, fast. which I yeah. guess is a good thing. Nothing is ever sitting for any period of time mm. before we bottle. We pretty much have all the cases sold. So that's a, that's that's awesome. a great thing. Good for you guys. And, but I, I think that this is probably the most fired up group of individuals on the ground for any yeah. whiskey company and for any distillery that is out there. And, and I love all the distilleries. I'm up here in Kentucky. I think Buffalo Trace runs this town. <laughs> and in terms of all the awards, if, if I go into a bar and they do not have Uncle Nearest, my default is something from Buffalo Trace. So it's going to be Colonel E.H. Taylor, or it'll be Blanton's, or it's going to be something from those guys. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm excited whenever we're in Kentucky and we're side by side right. with those guys, yeah. right? Because that's it's, incredible to bring a Tennessee whiskey into Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> and, and Kentucky has all these distilleries, and to get any kind of recognition is unbelievable. But our group of, of folks on the ground in every region here in the United mm -hmm. States, it's they understand, and, and we all believe that we're representing more than a whiskey, we're representing a legacy. Sure. And so on Inst Instagram, on social media, you'll always see uh, hashtag more than whiskey when mm -hmm. referring to us because when we go out, it's about honoring Nearest Green. It's about honoring mm -hmm. the first African-American master distiller, the story almost 200 years in the making. And then for us, the whiskey just has to match how incredible the story is. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... You're, you're, you're basing your brand on the, this tale behind the, the first African-American master distiller. Yes. I don't mean to point out the obvious, but you're also a woman. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so why we've of, gotten it across the country and around the world so fast. Yeah. Good. But, <laughs> good. Good. If you want to see something get done, give it to a woman. Well, my, my question was going to be, what kind of adversary have you faced then in this industry? Like, have yeah. you found that... It's not been as accepting of you, or have have you kind of pushed your way through it and said, "I don't care, uh, I don't care about your." <laughs> so I don't actually re I don't recognize adversaries, right? Good. So I don't sure. know if they exist because I have my own mission and I don't believe any anyone standing in my way. And so if there have been people in the way, I probably ran over them along <laughs> yeah. the way and did not actually realize it. Mm -hmm. So it's like this train is moving and I just hear boom, 
<laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, so my guess is those are the people who were, yeah. would have been the adversaries had I given them the, the opportunity to. Sure. I will say that when, when we first launched, uh, so I not only am I a woman, but our senior vice president of sales is a woman, and our head of whiskey operations, Sherry Moore, was the first woman to be in a high-profile operations job in whiskey in America, mm. period. Wow. How Period. amazing is that? Holy crap. Yeah. So you've got someone who, when she she retired in 2008 after 31 years at Jack Daniel Distillery. Right. And she was their head of whiskey operations when she retired. We pulled her out of retirement to lead Uncle Nearest. Uncle Nearest. But you've got a very, uh, you've got a lot of woman power here. But no what kidding. was funny when we first began is we would reach out to, you know, Packagers, right? We needed someone to bottle. We needed sure. someone to, and we would. Re- no one would call us back, and so I decided to test it one day, and I gave everyone who I'd reached out to, who Cherry had reached out to, and Kate who had reached out to, that wasn't returning the phone calls. I called my husband, who's an executive vice president over at Sony Pictures, and I'm like, babe, I know you're really busy, but I need to <laughs> test this out. Them? Can you no call way. all of these people? And tell them you're the CEO of Uncle Nearest. <laughs> yeah. Do you know he got calls back within 30 minutes? Of course he did. Of yeah. every single of one. And I was like, oh, we're on to something. Yeah. So rather than being <laughs> upset about it, for like the first year, everyone thought that my husband was heading up In this company. Co- yeah. And I'm like, and then you're I'd, like surprise. surprise. <laughs> yeah. I'm the one head of this. <laughs> and and, and I, I mean, the irony of someone being based in Los Angeles, California, overseeing global public policy and external affairs for one of the largest movie studios in the world. And you would you would assume that <laughs> he yeah. had time. That would ring yeah. above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, he had time. Uh, but so so I guess in, in that regard, then yes. We have faced some challenges, but it was very easy. We're big problem solvers. And sure. so it was like, oh, you need to hear from a man to actually return the call? Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I pick up the phone and I call any of these guys now, I get through. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. So we, we, we have to talk, too, specifically about the whiskey. Start a little bit by talking about what your your flavor profile is like? Like, what do you consider your palate to lean more towards? High rise, sweeter, weeder, you know, what What do you kind of identify with in your yes. palate? Yes, well, if it's coming out of Tennessee, you know it's <laughs> going to be high corn, right? Exactly. We actually only have, so we have two separate recipes, and one of our recipes, it's 10% barley and 6.5% uh, rye. In wow. this particular one that you have in front of you, it's 8 and 8, even. So everything else is either corn or corn malt, depending on the recipe that we're talking about. But we're always somewhere around that 83 and to 84% corn or a combination of corn and corn malt. So how have you felt like, because you don't normally hear of higher malt than rye recipes in right. bourbon. Yes. How have people responded to that flavor profile then? Well, we're in 40 countries, heading into 48. I'd so it's say responded it's pretty well. damn good, yeah. right? Yes. So we are. We won. We just Incredible. won double gold in China. We okay. have won gold in San Francisco, Los Angeles, in New York. We are. I think Cigar and Spirits magazine gave us 95 points. They ranked us as one of the top five whiskeys in the world. And That's so incredible. I think that it's unique. It's different. It's incredibly special. Sherry Moore, who, as I mentioned, is our head of whiskey operations, right. was adamant that 
our whiskey matched this incredible story that we have and this story that had been uncovered after so long. And so we take our barrels and most after you dump your barrels, you're either going to do minimal filtration or you're going to do, you know, no filtration at all. Mm. Well, for us, we actually go through two filtration steps. So after we pull our whiskey out of the barrels, it is never less than eight years old. What is in this bottle that you have here is a blend between nine and 11 year old. I think a sweet spot for Tennessee whiskey is nine and 10 year olds. I actually think that's a sweet spot for bourbon as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. Is between nine and 10. Yeah. Over 11, the tannins are too high. Under eight, it just tastes too young to me. <laughs> and uh, this is my own personal preference, right? So, Absolutely. And Absolutely. so I, this, what we have here is never any less than eight years. So when we're pulling it out of the barrel, it is running through natural carbon from coconut shells. That's our first filtration. Wow. And so we're pulling out the congeners. We're pulling out everything you don't want in whiskey. Right. Most of it is coming out through that first filtration. Yeah. Then after that, we're sitting it in a large steel tanker with diatomaceous earth. And we're pulling out the remaining congeners. So although I will say the family of Uncle Nearest reminds you to drink responsibly, You are not going to hear of anybody waking up with a hangover from Uncle Nearest. And it's because we've, we've taken the time and spent the money to pull and the congener's house. Yeah. Right. Gosh, that's incredible. I like the, the heavy pause there in between, though. Between We encourage you to drink responsibly. <laughs> yes. But also. Ironically, <laughs> Nearest, Nearest has a lot of uh, family that's in, still in the Church of Christ, right? Who mm, sort sure. of started the, the teetotaler temperance movement, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, so they embrace this and they love it and they drink it. But then yeah. they want to make sure I always remind everyone to drink responsibly <laughs> yeah, with like, their ancestor like, stuff. I have to say this. Exactly. So for sure. Hashtag yeah. drink not, responsibly. Not only am I legally re- you know, required to do this, <laughs> yes. but, you know, morally. Morally. Well, and if Nerys' yeah. family is listening, which they usually are, yeah. then they're like, Fawn, well, welcome to the where's our drink responsibly? <laughs> yes. Yes. Check that box. Check that We've box. got it. Yes. Here it is. Yes. Yeah. No. So where do you guys kind of see the Uncle Nearest brand expanding past these eight more countries that you have? I mean, and not just about, you know, a market standpoint, but product-wise, too. Because you guys do have a bourbon, correct? We do not have a bourbon. I thought you did. Absolutely not. Everything that... So the only difference between bourbon and Tennessee whiskey is what Nearest Green taught and what he helped perfect. So there is no bourbon that will ever come out of our distillery. It must run through sugar, maple, charcoal. And once that happens, it turns it into Tennessee whiskey no matter what. Mm. So we have a premium... American whiskey that is going out around the world and where this ends is a hundred years from now everyone is saying Johnny Jack Jim and nearest oh that's so and, exciting and that's so awesome man. yeah and like you can already tell like it's definitely gonna be sort of like a home brand like this is a house name I mean like I, I said mean, too I mean I'm able to walk into the store and see Uncle nearest and, see and, and identify and gonna, it as a top whiskey. tier whiskey yeah and it's gonna rival it's going to rival the bourbons, and, and that's something kind of really uh, interesting and cool. And kind of exciting, too. I mean, you know, we, we always talk about how, oh, Kentucky has the best whiskey. Kentucky yeah. has the best. Well, it's not like necessarily. Well, American whiskey, we'll say. Yeah. But I, I think that that is the most exciting We're coming for you. Thing. No, yeah. <laughs> look, I think, that, I think like, it's he- a little bit here. I yeah. think so, yeah. too. And I think that, like, I, I, it, we're going to be welcoming it. With open arms yeah. too. Yes. Now, now Richie just poured us a little bit of this 
Uncle Nearest 1856 Premium Whiskey. Absolutely, yeah. I had to give so, you guys a, a neat try before we left, of course. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, thank you all so and much cocktail, for being along. Like, oh, I can't stop like, drinking this coffee cocktail. Well, I, mean, uh, I, I think we've already got a line at our booth. <laughs> word, word is spreading well, around the festival go, like, pretty quick. Get, like five or ten. <laughs> I mean, man. <laughs> Well, I'm going to say cheers to Uncle Nearest. Yes. Cheers to Heritage. The best whiskey maker the world never knew. <laughs> yeah. Yes, until and now. And his cheers exactly. to the, the best whiskey that we're going to drink today. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Cheers, you guys. So good. So good. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, it's so balanced. Yes. Wow. We, With we a little of that malt London forward. A, and it's just, yeah. We launched in London a couple of months ago. We're already in 225 restaurants and bars. And if, oh if you can make it in London with an American whiskey, you can make You're it. You're not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is, they are recognizing this as being the most unique thing coming out of America right now. Sure. And we're, we're excited about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. For thank you, guys. Thank Thanks you for so having much. us. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Yes, yeah. And we're so excited about seeing where the brand goes. And You're not kidding, the, Oh, it's so, yeah. <laughs> Every time I see Uncle, Uncle Nearest, I'm going to be like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll so. take one of those, too. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, cheers, y'all. Thank, thank you, you so cheers. much. Cheers. Thank you so Thanks. much. So uh, we're sitting down with Swimming with Bears, uh, which is a band from Austin, Texas, right? Yes. Yeah. So Austin has this big, beautiful, exciting music scene. It does. It's, right? It's great. Yeah. It's so great. what what brings you guys to Louisville then? Like, do you feel like it has something to offer that is similar to the music scene in, in Austin? Or This is our first time here. But it yeah. feels like it. Oh, really? Okay. Like, we don't go to... We're like, okay, we love Texas. We love Texas so much that when we leave places, we leave Texas, we go we to other places, we're like, nah, nah. It's never going to be better. No, this yeah. place is not cool. No. Uh, Baltimore, it's like shit list, man. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But here it feels good. People here are nice. Okay. No, we run explicit out of the yeah. podcast, oh, okay. so it's all good. Yeah. Is it the bourbon? It's a podcast. It might be the bourbon. I don't know. You can say they're not. The FCC's not on these guys' ass. <laughs> yeah. Dude, don't worry about uh, it. Louisville people are so nice. Like, they're chipper. They're like, Excited yeah. to see. And that's like, I think that's important, you know? Yeah, they have good Southern hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. Do you all have any of that down in Texas? Too? Yeah, all the time. That's why we good. like Texas. We yeah. have the most Southern hospitality, <laughs> just minus the accent. Like, people are like, oh, you guys are from Texas? And we're like, yeah, raised and born. And, and they won't even know. <laughs> Whenever we played at, uh, I think it was Webster Hall, when that was still around in New York. Yeah. We were saying yes, sir, and, or no, sir, to the sound guy. Yeah. And he really took it offensively. He was like, why are these guys being so sarcastic? <laughs> <laughs> the whole sound check. We're like, got mad. yes, sir. And he's like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to we say it. People yes, in New Jersey get real weird about yeah, that, you, too. <laughs> like, if you, you open the door for somebody at a gas station, they'll just look at you real weird. Like, what is wrong with you? Are you <laughs> trying to hit on me? Like, yes, come in here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, come dude, on in. Even, even, like, a little bit further north, like, into Indiana. Yeah. People are like that, too. Oh, yeah. Well, they don't realize oh, that so we used crazy. to get our asses beat with a belt <laughs> if we didn't say that. So we're going to say that. Yeah, like, of yes. course I'm yeah, going to say yes, yes sir. sir. It was yes. a smile. <laughs> Just to be fucking nice. Hey, keep, yeah. like, <laughs> funny story, though. Funny story. My mom, she called me yesterday. Well, my dad called me yesterday, and he was telling me they went to uh, uh, one of my old friends, like, old friends from, uh, from our neighborhood, uh, went to their wedding and everything. And she was like, my mom was like, well, you know, I went to Millie, and her name's Millicent, but she was like, I went to Millie, and, 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 and she called me, she called me Ethel, 
not Miss Perry. And I was like, and my, yeah, my mom was like, no. Yeah. No. Like, listen like, here. Like, like there's no this coolness. Is... Like, you, you, just because you're 28, you can't be like to a 50 year old lady, like, oh, hey. And this is why What's we up? say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. No, exactly. So, Brenda. Exactly. Exactly. Because even our friends can't call our mothers by their names. Yeah. <laughs> So what kind of influence did Austin have on you on you guys in terms of your music? Because Austin is not just, like, this rich cultural place, but, like, I mean, so many musical icons, and, and specifically, like, blues music, too. But you guys aren't really blues. You're no, more alternative. I think there's two parts to that answer for you. There's, yeah. There's two, there's two things for that. One what of the things is thing? we were uh, living outside of San Antonio, and we happened to... Uh, Alex's mom actually happened to pass along an EP. She was at a VIP meet and greet for the band Blue October. Okay. And she passed yeah. along an EP of ours, and the bassist, Matt Noveski, ended it's up like... like 2010, by the way. Yeah, he just he <laughs> randomly so had time. the EP. <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> this didn't yeah. just oh, happen. Yeah. Don't listen to that EP. <laughs> I didn't realize that Blue October were still popular. Yeah. Oh, wait, we're talking about two different <laughs> things. Never mind, go ahead. But so, yeah, they uh, <laughs> he had his phone number on it, and he, we get a call from Matt Noveski, and all of a sudden he's, like, talking to Alec, like, I want to come meet you guys, and we should, like talk about working on music and Matt's just been like a super cool friend of all of ours yeah, ever amazing. since and just always awesome. been a good mentor to have so he's just been someone there that's always reinforcing us like y'all keep pushing it just keep doing what you're doing you know stay he got us some of it what him and other people helped us move to Austin and we're like yeah we got like a like a backdoor entry and a bird's eye view of the, the music industry that was there rather than what a lot of people do Music in Austin's great. I'm gonna move to Austin right. and make my music career go off. Yeah. Right, like every yeah. actor in LA, which doesn't really end up happening. And, that, and, and, and same thing with Nashville too. Like, it seems more like people who are from Nashville or from the Tennessee area. Right. Like they do better in that industry instead of the people who move there. Because I mean, I have plenty of friends right. who were really good in the Central Kentucky area. But they moved to Nashville and they just got swallowed up. That's what happens. You can't yeah. just, we, we, like you said, we moved there because of an opportunity. Yeah. We had to say yes. If you wanted, like, literally, it sure. was like a big door for us to walk through. Yeah. Like a long hallway, lots of doors. Thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> an inside joke they make fun of me for. Really, like it was American a door we had to walk through. In a fight, in a fight me, we were having one time, he's like, he's like, guys, just like a hallway with a lot of doors. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All the other doors. Like, what are you talking about? So, yeah, this was just one of those doors. This was one of those doors. We walked through it, and it was amazing. Big opportunity. What I was going to say is I don't think that the music industry, because we got the backdoor entry, got to, like, get right in it and see it and be part of it, like, immediately. Like, there was no lag time. We were already working in Austin because we were living an hour away. We were already playing right. here. But I think that when we came to Austin, we kind of left a little impression on Austin rather than Austin leaving an impression on us because we had Very already well worked said. it. Yeah. We had already worked it. We had already been really, like, well-known there. We would already been, like, you know, almost selling out our shows at, like, you know, mini stubs and... And like Mohawk and stuff like that. Yeah. So by the time we moved there, we brought this kind of like, I mean, look at us. We don't look like we're from fucking Austin. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Uh-huh. Like Gary Clark Jr. is pretty much the epitome of every musician That's artist, right. the way yeah. he yeah. looks. Yeah. And uh-huh. we, don't, we don't follow that at all. Yeah, like, it's you're funny. setting your own pace. Yeah. It's, like, it's such yeah. a, a refreshing kind of, kind of look. Well, I mean, but I can't imagine you guys having like played at Antone's. Oh, we're playing, we're there, playing the there. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> we're That's playing there. But you're in the right mindset. Like, it doesn't, f- no. doesn't feel the same. But that's the thing, six. because it's always <laughs> yeah. been a blues bar. Right. Like, but it's I a mean, platform. Stevie Ray Vaughan cut his teeth there. Yeah. You know? But you guys are yeah. so far outside of that 
realm of, of music that it just doesn't seem like that would be the you know the right it's fit. it's funny we we get invited to a lot of different things like we played with the Whalers down in Corpus Christi Holy crap. with only yeah. reggae bands yeah, yeah. and We're the only one there. we can dip into reggae a bit in some of our songs but uh, and then we we were in at a at a Daydreamer app release party at Cheer Up Charlie's like not a couple weeks later yeah we played the uh, Circuit of Americas. We were in the pit where all like the rally cars came in. <laughs> it was wild. So, I don't know. I think we have this sound that they're like, yeah, that'll fit over here. So it, it kind of <laughs> sounds like you guys have just taken this really quick catapult into the industry. Have, like you, have you felt like that? Yeah. Like, did, was it just kind of like this overnight? It never feels thing? like it's overnight. And right. I, and I, we've been I, doing this for 10 yeah, years. I, sure. I think, but yeah. it was once that decision got made, the moving to Austin. That's things, what changed that. Yeah. That's why I'm saying the imprints was left on them because it wasn't like a uh, let's, let's work our way through every yeah, venue sort of, ever. We didn't play every a, week, you know. It's all a grind. Yeah, yeah we sort yeah. of like you, you got there and you're like, hey, we're gonna make our impression yeah. and say, hey, you know, we do great stuff. Listen to us. Sure. And it, you left the impression. That, no, that's really cool. Yeah. 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 Well, because this is a bourbon podcast and because we were in Kentucky, I have to ask you guys. Do you like bourbon? Yes, uh, I love bourbon. That's <laughs> all four of us do. Uh, so, so here's a question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what kind well, no, of bourbon? We're gonna, we're, oh, we're going to drink all the free alcohol here. They got to give us. Don't, don't, don't you know? You, you know what it is? Is we all went to college together, so we have this. Like, hey man, watch it on that because we've seen how you get. Like fireball? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're supposed to wait. So when he asked that question, we're like, yeah, we have a deep. Background in bourbon <laughs> as a band, and uh, but ah, uh, Joe's Joe's freaking out a little bit. So over here's here. a question: <laughs> what What is your uh, college alcohol when you guys met? And you were like, uh, we've been R- talking about R and R rare. R&R. It, I don't even. I'm surprised the R and R tint's not out here Rich with their uh, whiskey. You know Rich and rare whiskey. I don't think it's a, it's, a, uh, it's like a seventeen dollar handle. Red, black, or blue, whatever the, was the cheapest one. Yeah. So Johnny Walker Red is probably the, the cheapest, cheapest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the cheapest like, uh, mid mid range scotch. To the counter, okay. I say I need the cheapest one here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> take the blue one away now. Here's the blue. Here's the black. Here's the gold. Yeah, but blue's pink, like I don't know. Blue's like 150 dollars. Yeah, it's expensive. For a yeah, blue's yeah. Like expensive. We yeah, had a buddy sure. during like a white elephant year for Christmas gave a. Blue label bottle filled with Jim Beam and the thing, and everybody fought over that bottle. No way. Yeah. It's he, and he was in one of the times we had the bottle. He was like, "By the way, that's just Jim Beam." Everyone was like, "Oh, what the hell, yeah. man!" <laughs> but the first taste was probably like, "Wow, I can really taste the the caramel." Everybody notes became a connoisseur. The, yeah, yeah. Like, instantly was like, the I don't even like scotch. This is the best wow. scotch I've ever had. <laughs> The one thing I remember from college, though, was uh, Kentucky Deluxe. Do you remember that? That's not around anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, even know what that is. Wasn't that a, wasn't that a mix? <laughs> a little tiny no, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bourbon. It's a bourbon? Yeah. Which one's the mix? Uh, uh, Kentucky Gentleman. That's gross. We also had yeah, that too. It's that's gross. <laughs> we had Kentucky Tavern on the show recently. Yes, we did. And Our last uh, episode, we, t- we talked about the that. The show's actually brought to you by uh, them. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky Gentleman. <laughs> they suck. The guy slams the bottle on the table. Yeah. Literally, literally, the episode last, last, uh, last episode was called We Drink Crap. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it was oh, bad. It was not a good experience. Nobody share that link to them, please. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I think with, uh, with the band, though, and everything, like, every, 
Like everybody, the reason everybody kind of freaks out is because like they're like, oh, one, this, the the lead singer isn't a little girl. It's a it's, <laughs> it's a twenty year old black guy, and then like it has like you know, and we're so diverse in our look too. So it's a very sure. it's a it's a very I think it's a refreshing sight like to see that kind of. I diversity. Have to, I have to remind myself that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but your but this your is voice is so. <laughs> <laughs> your voice is so refreshing, though. In and I think the alternative genre, because oh, yeah. like I, I mean, there are so many of those, like, Death Cab for Cutie. Oh, I love Death Cab for Cutie. I mean, I ben do too. Gibbard? Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it's like as soon as that voice caught on, yeah. Well, people think, were like, "Oh, that's the only thing that works." Yeah, I think it's a lot of it is just like. Shifting like I and I, and it was much as the band like just meeting these guys too that allowed me to shift like my voice over into to like where it is now to yeah. fit the sound that they have because they brought just as much sound to the band when we play like you know like me and uh, Ryan were talking about it earlier we used to listen to just oldies all the time but when right. we met the two guitarists they're listening to new stuff and she's like Temper Trap yeah. you know uh, Phoenix yeah you know and just, totally. so you're, you're listening to these other bands you're like oh my gosh and then you mix it in with that kind of like old school so so what was Go ahead. That's so interesting that you uh, you mentioned Phoenix because I literally was talk. I was listening to Phoenix and then I listened to you guys and I was like, "That's awesome!" Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I was like, That's "Dude, awesome. there's so much of an influence, but it also heightens it just a little bit more than Phoenix did, you know?" Yeah, it's and, pretty awesome. And that's what I was I totally I was agree so with that, like, actually. Kind of enthralled with was just like, "Wow, that's awesome." Actually, I, the first time we got together, before we were even swimming with bears, we were just jamming in a garage. The first yeah. song that's we played was 1901, starts, because that's literally, like, we both had delay pedals. We're like, wait, we could do some cool <laughs> stuff with this and play some Phoenix to the delay. Yeah, that's so and that was, cool. Like, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it was crazy. Did you so start good. out as a guitar player, or did you? Oh, you I don't play bassist? guitar. I only play bass. I went okay. to the guitar store. <laughs> Dude, I gave him my, my guitar. I can't. I went to the guitar store. Just was like, hey. Fuck you. Hey, hey. <laughs> That's hey. exactly I what play it sounded like. The bass. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know why Token got so mad on South Park when they were like, "Hey, you got a you got a bass in your in your basement." I would have been like, "I got four bases in my basement." <laughs> and of three course. in the trunk. Yeah, so exactly. no, my dad took me. I mean, we all have stories about our parents taking yes. us to oh, yeah, music stores. Uh, you know, none of us had lessons. You know, yeah. you asked me what it. It's funny. I play. Started out on the flute. And flute I started in on trouble, clarinet, so I started clap, on the you know, saxophone. You know, okay, so. <laughs> you can't pull, you can't, yeah, you can't pull any girls with this. I was like, hey, give me some Kenny G, man. Yeah. <laughs> but we, but we started, and and I remember just like people just being like, they were just first chair. Like, by the my way, my dad was asking me like, you want to play the lead guitar like Jimmy? And I was yeah. just like, nice. I was like, no, I was like, I don't want to play the the lead guitar. I was like, I want to play the. The deep guitar. That's what I called yeah. it. I remember calling it a the deep, deep guitar. guitar. And he was like, the bass? <laughs> <laughs> Concerned yeah. about how many girls I was going to get. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you guys so much for sitting down with us. Um, you have a new single out, uh, right, French Girls, which yep. is killer. If you guys haven't heard it yet, go and check that out. Um, Swimming with Bears, y'all are awesome. Thank you. And before, you before we sign off, where do you guys go from here? What are you thinking? Nashville. Yeah, we're Nashville? getting ready to record a bunch of new stuff for a new album, but right now we're doing like a little tour around okay. this little show. Good. Going to Nashville Good on deal. Monday at the basement. Wow. Nashville, then the Super Bowl. That's on our tour list. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Stop yeah. there and play that show, <laughs> man. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, for thank you. Yeah, Appreciate thanks, it. Guys. Yeah. So we have the master distiller. Before we start, I'm like, 
You freaking wow. out about the cigar? Yeah, the cigar, man. That's awesome. Let alone the, you know, wow. Okay. So anyway, we have, we have, the, we have the master distiller from Rabbit Hole. And I'm going to let you introduce yourself, too, because I I just want to hear you talk for sure, first and foremost. Sure. Well, um, my name is Kave. I'm the founder and whiskey maker at Rabbit Hole. And I say whiskey maker just to make a slight correction there. We actually say at Rabbit Hole we have no master. We're a wow. collective. Because um, I think that that term master distiller is reserved for a very, very select group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, people like Jim Rutledge or Larry Ebersol or Dave Shurek. There's not a whole lot of those guys or Jimmy Russell. Uh, the rest yeah. of us are basically just whiskey makers hoping to become masters one day. <laughs> and it's also, it's a collective effort, right? We want to celebrate everybody who's involved in the process. Okay. So where do you fit into that process? Then? How, do you, how do you view yourself in, yeah, that, in I, that game? Yeah, I see myself as a whiskey maker. I came up with the original recipes for Rabbit Hole. The idea was to make sure that we make recipes that are unique and take it right. back to the glory days pre-prohibition. Now, you, you guys do more than just bourbon, though. Yes, we do. You do a rye, and you also do a finished bourbon, too. We do. We so do. Let, yeah. let's first talk about, because we're, we're on the bourbon path in terms of conversation, talk about what led you to wanting to do a finished bourbon, because sometimes people kind of look down upon finished bourbon. So what what is it that made you want to take that next step into doing something different with your brain? I think there's a few different aspects of the work that are just truly creative and artistic and I think one of them is the blending and finishing part of it. So sure. for me aside from um, coming up with different recipes of bourbon and doing a stellar job of making that product the other part of it is how can you cultivate your muscle of finishing and blending and that's part of the reason we did that. So we got a few finished products on the right. market right now and uh, I think you know that's a category that as long as people know what it is and how it's different than bourbon I think we're on a <laughs> solid ground there. Yeah. And I think that's interesting uh, to note is a lot of people, they go, oh, you know, I'm just looking for bourbon. And, and the, the right. fact to say, like, hey, this is a finished bourbon. This is that's something so important to note. I think like the sherry cask. And, and, and I think that's that's so cool to to put in. Right, and it really kind of expands that opportunity, too, with the palate. You know, I mean, it's not just that... I mean, so many different places have just one bourbon, and that's, you know... But but you're taking the next step into making people really understand where it can come from. Yeah, 100%. One of the things that worries me, and joking aside, it keeps me up at night, is if we water down bourbon. You know, bourbon has a certain criteria. Right. And I think we can probably take a page out of the Europeans and understand that we should be really bullish and dogged and obsessive about making sure we know what, what is bourbon and keep the integrity of bourbon and be able to differentiate for the consumers and help them understand what's the difference between bourbon and finished bourbon because they're two different categories. Right. So what then in turn kind of led you to wanting to do a rye? Because those are two very different processes yes. in terms of production and and I would say too that you kind of have to do a complete 180 when you're going from bourbon to a rye but what what was it that made you want to explore rye as a product well rye is the original American whiskey it is right yes. I think you know we all know that rye was really one of the first whiskeys that 
you know, captured the hearts and mind of Americans before, right. before bourbon. So for me, it was a natural that if we're going to make American spirits, rye has to be in the portfolio. And we partnered up with the best of the best, which is Larry Ebersol. That guy um, has got his fingerprints on probably about 90% of the rye whiskey that's out there. Right. He was one of my first mentors. And we made a 95.5 rye whiskey, which is like <laughs> no other 95.5. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds hot. I'm going to be honest with you. Sounds good. (laughs) Was Louisville always kind of where you wanted to base your operations? Because you are out of Louisville, correct? Yes, we're out of Louisville. We're in the heart of uh, New Loop District in New Loop, in uh, Louisville, just down the street from uh, downtown. And um, I couldn't imagine having my distillery anywhere else, very candidly. Louisville and Kentucky, it's the epicenter of whiskey. And... um, you know, what we have here, aside from provenance, is expertise. Sure. You uh, have everybody around you that makes a huge difference, world yeah. of difference. Right. And the history and tradition of it. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, so, at, at, as we've kind of alluded to a little bit, you're, you're smoking on cigars, too, as we, we hang out here. Do you find yourself pairing cigar with bourbon pretty often? We do. We Cigars and whiskey, but also food and whiskey. Those are the two areas that we really want to um, showcase. Cigar and whiskey is pretty natural. Most people obviously know about it. What we feel that is an open opportunity is how do we showcase different types of um, food with whiskey? And even thinking about instead of having wine pairing, multi-course wine pairing with, you know, we can do whiskey pairing with three, four, five-course meals, different types of whiskeys. Mm -hmm. So... What is your ideal dish, then, to pair with rabbit hole bourbon? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> depends, on the, depends on the meal, right? So sure. I was just talking about I had our rye with prosciutto and melon oh. as an appetizer, just okay. to kind of kickstart oh, it, right? That prosciutto and melon with our rye was just phenomenal. And then I had steak fritz, and I had the steak fritz paired with our bourbon. It's a four-grain, very, very hearty, robust yeah. bourbon. And then we finished it with our bourbon finished in sherry cask on the dessert side of it. So, man, I, I mean, I need, I need some of that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The dessert and the so sherry good. cask, man. Oh, Ooh. my goodness. This oh. sounds too good. I'm going to be thinking about that all day long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can we make that happen? Can we, like, we can make it happen, baby. Come to the distillery. We'll make it happen. Yeah, for sure. We got, a, we got an incredible catering kitchen there and that's one of the things we're going to be doing at the distillery very regularly we've already had a handful of uh food and whiskey pairings and more and more on the schedule okay awesome so when you when you talk about the distillery how would you describe your your distillery it's a work of art it is absolutely <laughs> it a work looks of art, like brother. it man first it of really all it really does you know for us transparency is not just a marketing slogan so the building is an embodiment of that Glass and steel. Frank Gehry, protege, helped me design, yeah. co-design this. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is immersive. You're going to come off, come to the distillery. You're going to get greeted with a glass of bourbon. When you walk before through, you even walk through. before you yeah. even walk through, man. Jeez. That's the way to do it. You start with bourbon and you finish in our tasting room, perched up, overseeing downtown Louisville, oh. New Lou, with all our products. That includes all the finished products that are not mm-hmm. cheap, and then. You get lifted off the manufacturing floor through a spiral staircase, fully immersive. There is no distillery like it. I can promise you that. (laughs) 
love to hear that, right? Yeah, no kidding. Like, yeah. I, I think we need to go there. So, I, I mean, I've already been, but... Oh, you have? Yeah. I've not been there yet. Oh, it's beautiful. Okay, well, that's oh, next great. on my list, then. Man, Perry, that's right at the top doing? of my list. <laughs> I just don't understand. <laughs> so, uh, there's that. I don't know. Well, I want to say thank you so much for, for sitting oh my God, down with We really appreciate it. Um, Rabbit Hole Distilling, great product, of course. Um, you great can find finishes. It, yeah, you just, can find it pretty much anywhere bourbon is sold. Sakave, <laughs> yeah. so, thank you so much for saying Thank you, that. guys. Yeah, Thanks no, for I having me here. It. Appreciate it. So a very special treat, yeah. I'm going to say, an unexpected yes. one for sure. Mr. Freddie Johnson from the Buffalo Trace Distillery is sitting Oh, my gosh, Perry. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> doing well, it's good to see you, buddy. So, uh, of course, welcome to Bourbon and Beyond. I mean, you, you are kind of a, a star here. No, right now. No, oh, you no, are no, too. No, no, Don't no. be so modest. <laughs> I'm an acorn on an on an oak tree. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, <Jeez>. so humble. <laughs> so Freddie is not just well known for, of course, his tenure at Buffalo Trace and his family's heritage working at Buffalo Trace, but also because you're 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 a you're a Hollywood movie star now too. <laughs> <laughs> You're He's making a face at me. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, no. no, so so you were a central part of Neat, the story of Bourbon, which is a, a fabulous movie that just came out yeah. this past year. What was your experience like? Um, kind of cool. Yeah? Kind of cool. <laughs> just sort of cool. Yeah. 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 So, no. but I mean, if you look at if you look at all the other players that uh, were involved in the making of that. Um, the reason that I got caught up in it was it wasn't just about the bourbon. It wasn't just about the product. Uh, to bring in some of the uh, folks that produce the grain and the corn to show how all those different pieces are part of it. Um, very few people realize that it takes eight to ten bushels of grain to make a barrel of bourbon. So if you look at all the bourbon distilleries in Kentucky, just Kentucky alone, and you look at the, the hundreds of thousands of grains, of pounds of grain that the farmers are producing, you begin to realize it's, it's greater than just a bottle of bourbon. Yeah, it's sure. all these other folks that are involved in bringing that product to and the shelf in the store. Yeah, and it's even greater than, you know, the master distiller, you know? It has that, it has the farmer, it's the person that sells it person that crafts it right yeah i mean it, it's and the person that consumes it <laughs> exactly so, you know, yeah but but you start you start putting all those pieces together and uh you can get hooked on it easily because then you realize wow um these are what i would consider everyday folks but it's planting the seed for the next generation and i try to you know for me i get caught up in it because i'm a third direct generation you are yes but what it's hard for most people to understand everybody's going after these really good bourbons now and uh they fail to realize that uh, when they run out they're upset why didn't you make more and it's hard to understand that the bourbon that they're enjoying today are really some of the last barrels that elmer and my father put in the warehouse at buffalo trace and the bourbon that we're making today is actually for the next generation. So your yeah. bourbon for the next 25 years has already been made. And that's what blows <laughs> everyone's mind. Yeah. So if you drink too much too fast, 
You're, Perry, you're sucking up your own oh, juice. Freddie, don't, don't, don't slow down. Yeah, yeah. Curtis, like, slow down before you drink it. So, <laughs> yeah. So he, that's he specifically part. directed that at me, yeah. too. Did oh, you yeah. notice that? He said, Perry, you drink too much. <laughs> uh, well, Freddie, you, you rolled out the seven millionth barrel. Yeah, I did it with my grandson. You did. That's, that's just the coolest thing in the world. Uh, you thanks. were just inducted into the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame, too. Yeah, pretty neat. That's yeah, pretty I, neat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever sat down with a Hall of Famer before. In, in maybe you haven't just didn't realize it. See, they, <laughs> they maybe they didn't announce what they what they achieved. What they or, well, what it's it, all about the public. I mean, that's that's not something that you intentionally go about doing. I sure. didn't. Um, and so that's really what's amazing about it is the number of people that, you know, have said, thanks for what you've done. And um, it's a pretty cool vote of confidence. And I, you know, you, you try to live up to that. And you, but uh, it's just humbling, man. It blows your way. It yeah, blows your I'm way. sure, man. Yeah, I'm sure. So. No, it, it's, it, it may be a, it may be a weird question, but you know, does it does it change the way that you approach your job at Buffalo Trace? Does it or what now? Does it change the way you approach your job at Buffalo Trace? Or are you still Freddie Freddie Johnson still? You know, are <laughs> <laughs> you take a you know? <laughs> They're asking, did it change the way that I approach my job at Buffalo Trace? <laughs> you ready for this? I'm ready for this. If Freddie screws up a tour. Freddie's in trouble. <laughs> okay. So, no. So, no. Freddie's still Freddie regardless Freddy's of his accolades. Freddie Freddy still does tours. <laughs> Freddie still has fun. Yes. <laughs> What's the most fun part of your job? Uh, getting people uh, excited about Buffalo Trace and about bourbon. Mm -hmm. um, as you probably know, with all the interviews you're doing, there are a lot of folks that are not even familiar with bourbon. They're in the habit of drinking wine or craft beers or right. cocktails. And they're making this transition to bourbon. And what's cool about it is introducing it in such a way that it's not overwhelming. Mm -hmm. uh, we tell people to start off taking baby steps. Yeah. We let them know it's okay to mix it with a little Coke, mix it with ginger ale, mix it with something that brings out the flavors, but you still enjoy the product. Sure. Sure, and I mean, you've said the best way to drink bourbon is just how you like how it. You like it's the way you like it. Yeah. <laughs> and I also tell people, they ask about, well, who do you think makes, makes the best bourbon? And I tell them it's not important because the best bourbon is the one that you enjoy, whether that's based on price or yep. taste or a combination of both. But the deal is, uh, if you find something and you like it, the responsibility of the distillery that you get it from is they have to know what they've done because they have to replicate that taste from that right. moment forward. And that's the cool part about this is uh, it's not about making a good bourbon. It's knowing what you've, do, you've done so you can, do it again. you can do it again and do yeah. it again. And that uh, goes back and to, to you know preserving the history for the next yeah. 25 years. And that's something we like to kind of portray is the sense of, hey, it's an adventure. It's a process. You know, it doesn't matter if you started on, you know, on Fireball like you know oh yeah whiskey. that's a that's a yeah. that's a kicker oh it's definitely a kicker <laughs> yeah like it's just it's the process of you know the progression of you getting and learning your palate learning how you like your bourbon and right. your whiskey 
And uh, I think that's something that we like to really portray is, is that progression and that, and that story. Yeah. Let me tell you uh, an easy one. Um, we make a product called Bourbon Cream. Right. Yes. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's great in coffee. And <laughs> I'm doing this event, uh, this tour, and the family came in and Granny was on the tour. Granny didn't really want to be at Buffalo Trace Distillery. <laughs> she wasn't into hooch, all right? Uh. But because the family had come in, she came in with them. Granny had on this little pearl sweater, very okay. nice and refined. Yes. So uh, she didn't want the straight stuff. <laughs> but she said, uh, as, so I'm not a wet blanket. I'll try a little bit of this cream. It doesn't seem to be quite as strong. <laughs> yeah. So normally you get two samples and you get cream on the side as dessert. Right. So Granny takes her little sip of the cream and she says, oh my. She says, "Um, this is okay. Well, the kids are all looking at Granny and Granny takes that cup and slams it. She shoots it. And she but she it. was in her pearls. Well, she, well, let me tell you what happened. She slammed it. She puts the cup back down, and she said, "Now you did. You did say we get two, right?" Well, yes. we look around, and Granny's got little beads of perspiration coming out on the top of her forehead. She starts unbuttoning her sweater, and I'm said, "Ma'am, I said, are you okay?" She said, "Oh, I'm fine." And she takes off the little pearl sweater and wraps it around her waist. Yep. And the kids are like, Mom, what's going on? And I said, well, you see, kids, it's not just tequila that makes your clothes fall off. So, so the whole group. That's beautiful. So, but yeah. it shows you how bourbon, no matter how it's consumed, can still be something that the family can enjoy together. Yes. Uh, without anybody getting smashed, but without it being bad news. Uh, so that's what's exciting about bourbon right now is everybody's kind of like, finding ways to enjoy it. Right. And it holds the memories. Bourbon has a a way of like, hey, you drink this, you're going to remember the good times, the bad times. It's just going to be a culmination of everything. Right. And that's... Yeah. I consider bourbon a conduit. Yeah. It's a conduit for memories. It's a conduit for uh, moments that you can share with someone that when that moment occurs, it's for the rest of your life. Yeah. So you never, you can never do away with moments. So if you had to, to, to kind of wrap up real quick, if you had to categorize bourbon with one word or one phrase, how would you do that? I, you know, when I, when I think of bourbon, I just think uh, close family and friends. Right. It, always, it always boils down to that. You never bring out good bourbon with people you don't like. <laughs> it's so true. It's always close family and friends. Well, Freddie, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank right? you. We appreciate it. Well, we, oh, I, I'm super excited to have you guys sitting down with us, but it's Michael, Michael Cleveland on the phone, too. Um, guys, welcome to the podcast. Um, this is incredible. Um, now, we're, we're, we're going to kind of jump around from topic to topic, but the first thing has to be talk a little bit about your music style because I, it may be bluegrass. But I feel like it's a little bit elevated. Um, so wh- where have you guys kind of taken your, your, your genre of bluegrass to the next level? Well, um, I mean, the main, the main thing that, that I think a lot of people don't 
realize is uh, that bluegrass musicians are influenced by other styles of music. So um, even the older uh, first-generation bluegrass musicians, they were listening to, to what was on the radio. So they... They were they were influenced by big band, you know, horn players and uh, you know, so so we do today, you know, we, we listen to, to other styles of music and we try to incorporate that into bluegrass as well as paying homage to the people who set the standard for for the music that we like to play. So so do you consider yourself a bluegrass musician though, or do you find yourself Dipping into to other genres as well. I consider myself a bluegrass musician, but I I love to play other styles of music and collaborate with with artists in in other genres. And that's why it's so good to play festivals like this. You know, this is this is a festival where you know we get to play in front of people who aren't familiar with bluegrass, and and that's what. That's our, our goal for this band, is to uh, try and, and play and, and take bluegrass to people who've never heard it before. So you're transcendent then. And That's what we, <laughs> yeah, I guess. So here's a question. Yeah. What's your favorite genre to kind of collaborate with? Um, well, I've done a lot of uh, jazz music in the past, um, we got to uh, we got to do a, a pops concert back in March with the Louisville Orchestra, where uh, they took some of our music and put orchestral arrangements. To wow! It. And uh, it was phenomenal. It was such an awesome night. And uh, I I like I like all kinds of music. <laughs> yeah. And spe- speaking on that, uh, pops. I I actually work at Keeneland. And I got to experience that, and that was so amazing. Oh, are you there? Oh, yeah, no, I was. Oh, cool. Oh, great. And so to experience that kind of genre and uh, just classical kind of kind of beautiful music, it was so amazing. Uh, I mean, so commends to you guys. On, oh, on thanks. That. Well, no, yeah, Teddy absolutely. is just incredible, too, what he puts together there at the Louisville Orchestra. And... Uh, him and Michael had gotten together over some jazz uh, shows locally here in Louisville, right. and Teddy mentioned something to Michael, I think, about you know doing uh, something with the orchestra, and and of course, yeah, we would love that. So it was just an incredible opportunity for us. We uh, we had a blast playing with all those folks. It was really fun. Yeah, I, I couldn't stop smiling the whole time. <laughs> I kept wanting to watch the show myself. Yeah, I kept turning around looking at the orchestra. You know. Yeah. Oh, trust me, I was sitting there going like, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, so, so how do you how do you guys function as a band? Though? I mean, is it is it pretty collaborative in terms of you know the, the songwriting and 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 forming of music, or are things pretty you know Michael based? Then? And I'll let anybody take that question. Oh, is the band? Too. How do we? Yeah, how do you how, how do, do we how do you function together? You know, we were uh, we're getting ready to go in the studio next week, and uh, so yesterday we were sitting around working on some of the songs and. And uh, we all kind of, you know, try to look for material. You're constantly looking for material. Sure. And, uh, and Michael brings a lot to it, and everybody does, you know. But we just all sit down and uh, try to start playing it. You know, you kind of have an idea <laughs> of what you want to do. But 
It's just if you just jam a little bit and see how it comes out, then you can start, you know, going see? from there. And uh, Michael will probably know more about it than uh, how he approaches those types of things. Well, the thing, the thing that is important, you know, when you're listening or you're looking for songs, you know, even though it might not be a song that is a bluegrass song, and sometimes people send you a song and all it is is them singing and playing a guitar or, or whatever. <laughs> and you have to, in order to be a band leader or, you know, to, you have to envision what you would want the song to be, you know, what, what, what it would sound like in your style of music. So that's what, that's what we try to do. Do you have a vision for your music? Yeah, I mean, and it it keeps kind of evolving, you know. Like, for, for a long time, you know, all I wanted to do was play bluegrass. And I, I still, I love bluegrass, don't get me wrong, and I'll, I'll always play it. But, you know, the, you know we, as you get older and uh, you, you get interested in other, other styles of music, you know, I want to I wanna collaborate with, with people outside bluegrass and, and uh, you know, we want to play festivals like this, you know. Right. So what 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 specifically, because you, you guys aren't from Kentucky, correct? You're Not from quite. We're close. <laughs> Pretty close. Just across the river. We're uh, Kentuckiana, you yeah. might call us. I, I myself am from Louisville, but everybody else is a okay. Hoosier, so. yeah. sure. Except well, for yeah. the banjo player. He's from Missouri, but we'll let him slide on there. <laughs> Missouri, huh? <laughs> Curtis is from Ohio. Yeah, I'm so. from Ohio. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> I get it. The, Perry doesn't really accept me as a Kentuckian, but you know, I yeah. get I'm I'm growing. I'm growing too. I'm yeah, growing I try. Too. I try to. Yeah. So how how connected do you feel then to Kentucky? Do you consider Kentucky kind of your second home, or is it you know just a place that you guys come and play music? Well, you know, we we really for a band that's based out of this area. We've gotten to play here in town more than we ever have. Um, I, I I usually joke that we have to drive about 12 hours in order to play a gig. But, uh, it's about it's the truth, pretty much. Really? Even at Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I went to school down in Western Kentucky in Bowling Green, so I lived down there for a few years. I'm, oh, okay. I was sort of a Kentuckian, briefly. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we, went, we went to Eastern Kentucky. Oh, oh that's so. our rival. Yeah, yeah. no good. That's hey, no good uh, at all. I'm just going to have to ask you guys to leave. <laughs> I'm, <after laughs> I'm just going to have to leave now, aren't I? <laughs> so, so what is the future for the, the Michael Cleveland outfit, we'll go ahead and call it, and, and your, your music? Where do you see things going in the future? Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a hard thing to uh, think about, you know. Or what are you um, hoping for, I guess? Well, I hope that we get to uh, collaborate with, with other artists and different genres. And um, I do know next year, that this, this summer has been the busiest we've ever had sure. in the history of, like, I've had this band for 12 years, and, and this has been the busiest summer by far. And we've gotten to do so much cool and different stuff uh, than what we ordinarily do. And we definitely want to keep doing more of that. 
we're going to the studio in a couple days and, and uh, start to work on a record with the band and, and also some collaborations. And then uh, uh, we just want to play in front of as many different audiences as possible. I, I mean, I think that's a very reasonable yeah. <laughs> expectation. But also but how beautiful is that, too? Yeah. In the sense of, like, me and Perry, we're both, we are both designers. We're both graphic designers. Yeah, we're yeah. both graphic designers. Okay. And we love to, like, collaborate with anybody and everybody. Yeah. And I, I, there's a, a little connection there in the music industry as well. It's like, hey, we we just want to make good stuff. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. How great is that? Yeah. Right. And... And I think that's something to uh, put a test about. And it's like team know. teamwork makes the dream work, yeah. man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, before we before we let you all loose, uh, one more question for you guys: What is it? Because we've talked so much about collaboration. What is it about collaboration that really does excite you? Because I feel like at times you get worried about stepping on other people's toes, right? Sure. And you have this opportunity to bounce off of other people's ideas, especially with music. But why why is collaboration so enticing to you guys, so attractive? Uh, well, I'll tell you, collaboration for me, uh, the coolest thing about it is you know, it gets you, it gets you as far as us for bluegrass artists, we're playing with somebody that's in another completely different genre, then we get in front of their audience. And they'll come up and say, well, I didn't like, I don't like bluegrass, but I like what you all do. And I'm like, I hate to tell you this, you like bluegrass. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's about the coolest thing. Is, you know, most people are thinking, you know, it's just old hick music. You know, you, you hear things on the movies or whatever, and, and that's what they think about, dueling banjos or whatever. And, 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 and you got somebody like Mike over here who's, you know, he's, he's a fiddle genius, you know. Sure, and, and, uh, absolutely. And, there, and there's just loads and loads of young uh, uh, musicians that are in the bluegrass genre and it's it's really cool just to get to be able to introduce our music to people that really don't have a clue about it. For sure. For sure. And, and I think that's why I ask more about how everyone kind of feels about the collaboration and how things work because sometimes you see the front, front runner and they're like oh well we, we understand how they kind of think but what about the like band members behind? Yeah because a band is a collaboration. Yeah. Sure. You know. Exactly. At, at the heart of it mm -hmm. too. Right. So just to continue. Yeah. Yeah. So, if collaborations for me, you know, you're you're meeting up with different people who've come from different backgrounds, and and I like to write songs, and and I get stuck in a rut where I kind of start writing the same thing, you know, kind of keep doing the same. I'm the thing. same way, actually, and probably the same way with graphic arts. You do, you know, you do what's and, comfortable to and you. And music so too. Whenever, also yeah. an artist as well. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So when you collaborate with people, you you start thinking a little differently. You start, you know, thinking like sure. them or, or they have another idea. And you might not be, you know, you might not like it, but you'll try it and then it works. And you're like, hey, that's pretty right. cool. Yeah. You never ever would have tried that before. So and you isn't can, it interesting, like, when you're uncomfortable a lot, a lot of the time, that's when you do the best work. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when you're collaborating with people, it means they're usually collaborating with someone that's really good, uh, maybe better than you are. Yeah. So exactly. anytime you work with someone who's doing uh, material or whatever better than what you, you can do, it brings yeah. it helps to bring you up, you know. Yeah, that's, exactly. And that's the way this band is with Michael. Michael kind of has shown all of us all kinds of things, uh, you know, and he's 
he's brought us uh, along quite a bit through the years. And so just getting to collaborate with Michael's been, you know, it's really <laughs> helped out all of our uh, musician uh, musicianship, I guess. Sure, sure. Well, being a bass player, I'd have to say collaboration <laughs> is great. <laughs> I mean, I'll come out and see your solo bass show anytime you want me to. I mean, if, you're, if that's what we're getting at here. <laughs> but no, uh, as far as I'd have to agree with Josh, uh, it's it's all about expanding your mind because um, you kind of it's easy to get into the same rut if you play the same licks over and over or the same grooves. Right. Um, you can collaborate with somebody new, and they may have a different type of rhythm, different type of groove that you've ever heard before, and it's like, ah, that's kind of cool, and, yeah, like, and you just expand what you know, your knowledge. Sure, sure. Michael? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else I could add to that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, think that's, I think that's it. You know, when you write with somebody who has a different take on it or – has, has been around uh, and different styles of music, you know, it makes you think differently and it'll take you to a different place musically. Sure, sure. Banjo player? I feel like it's a good way to learn and, uh, of course, be around new, new licks and things and, and get in front of a new audience as well. Basically the, th the same thing they said. <laughs> Well, I just want to say real quick, thank you all so much for sitting down with us. Um, Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Go check them out on uh, on iTunes, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. Um, anywhere you get your favorite music. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Appreciate you guys so much. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'm sitting down with uh, Kevin DiDio from Lux Row. Lux Row Distillers, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, welcome to the show, man. This is kind of in a... Uh, you know, in a setting that we didn't think we were going to have to be in this weekend. Of no, absolutely, course. man. Thank, thank you for the invite. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely, so. absolutely. So, talk a little bit about your experience with um, with Luxro. How far back do you go? Yeah, I've uh, you know, I've been in the industry about ten years, but I've I've been with Luxro coming up on one year. Uh, so oh, I start, wow. Yeah, so I started in. Uh, in October, and my role is the experiential manager, so uh, I'm responsible for our consumer experience through the through the distillery. That's very cool. Yeah. So, so what is your, what I guess, what's your mission statement as far as like your your experience that you want to impart on Absolutely. people who come to you the know the distillery. one thing is is it's it's the home of of uh, of our bourbon portfolio, so we want to make sure every, everyone feel like they're walking into our home. Um, yeah. Our creative director Michelle Lux, um, the wife of Don Lux, our chairman and CEO. Mm -hmm. Um, she really put a, her personal touch into our visitor experience so that it really feels like you're walking into the, the Lux, one of the Lux family homes. That's, yeah. that's the kind of impression we want to we want to leave on all our guests when they come through our site. And you have a you have a pretty deep portfolio too in yeah. terms of in terms of product. Mm -hmm. What do you guys tend to strive for in terms of quality of product? Um, you know, we like to think we have uh, a, a pour or a taste for every palate. You know, we run two mm -hmm. mash bills. So we have a, a weeded mash bill, which is 68% uh, corn, 20% wheat, 12% malted barley. And we use that in Rebel Yell and our David Nicholson 1843 products. So those are usually our sweeter bourbons. I did not know that David Nicholson was a weeded bourbon. The 1843 expression is. So, but not yeah. the, um, the, not the reserve. The reserve uses our rye mash bill. Wow. Yes. Uh, Incredible. And, our, and then our rye mash bill is 78% corn, 10% okay. uh, rye, 12% malted barley. We use that in Ezra Brooks and David Nicholson Reserve. Right. Now, you guys just recently announced, too... The old Ezra. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that product because I personally am mm -hmm. super excited for it. 
Absolutely. And, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I was saying to you earlier, too, I thought, oh, it's only going to be, because it sounds so exclusive. Yeah. Well, it's actually, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a global launch for Ezra 7, uh, or Great. old Ezra 7. So um, historically, it was, it was a 101 proof, but the, the new launch is going to be, it's going to be a brand new package featuring Luxor Distillers on the packaging, yep. celebrating our new distillery. Also, it's a, it's a, you know, a seven-year product, and the, the new release is going to be at barrel strength, so 117 proof. That's so it's exciting. it's got a big, bold, spicy flavor to it. And so. look, I mean, at, at $40 a bottle, right? Yeah. That's a great price yeah. point for that proof, too. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of cast-strength bourbons Correct, yeah. at that price. And the fact that it's going global, mm -hmm. too, just blows my mind. Yeah, we're, we're really excited <laughs> about the launch. You know, we think it's a great product. Uh, you know, it's great on its own, pairs well with cocktails, and it's got a really great, strong, robust flavor to it. Yeah, awesome. So what's, what's your favorite product from the, the Luxrow? Line. You know, right now, you know, if you had to ask what was playing in my iPod, it would be our David Nicholson Reserve expression. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, I like high proof. One reason I was, I'm excited about the old Ezra 7 as well. Yeah. Um, but the David Nicholson Reserve um, comes out, it's aged on an average about seven years. So it's mm -hmm. got a really strong vanilla and caramel flavor in it from the barrel. Um, and, it, and it's it's at 100 proof. So it's got that higher proof. So it's got a yeah. lot of body to it. So it's and a really I like great too taste that bourbon. It, it's not like, it's not overly hot. It's not yep. overly powerful mm -hmm. or anything. It's a great everyday mm -hmm. sipper i think yeah i think too. so and it seems like it's really starting to catch on too Abs absolutely you know uh, you know from our visitor experience um that, that's one of the top choices of our consumers uh when they come through our distillery they take the distillery experience they do our they do our tasting uh at the end of the tour and then they, they walk out looking for the david nicholson reserve it's, you know it's, it's a product we're very proud of yeah yeah what's your all's um your gift shop like so our, our shop um really celebrates our bourbon portfolio so all our bourbons are available there um, you know, also we, we've got so different unique items that we that we put throughout. So you know, each brand has kind of its own kind of unique set of gear, uh, and we also have just some kind of some unique things that kind of help celebrate Kentucky and then also celebrate Bargetown as well. Right. So, uh, yeah. And you guys are located in Bargetown. Lo located in Bargetown. I don't know why I thought you were located in Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're uh, in Bargetown on uh, on Highway 245. And yeah. So it's uh, our address is um, 3050 East John Rowan Boulevard. Write it down. <laughs> in Bardstown, Kentucky. So, yeah. Now, we were originally going to be meeting at Bourbon and Beyond, but unfortunately today, and there goes Fred again, yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately they had to cancel today yeah. um, because of weather. Mm -hmm. But what was it about Bourbon and Beyond that really wanted, that, that made you guys want to come and showcase your product? I think it's just, you know, it's kind of a unique thing. It's a unique event that really celebrates all things bourbon and being centered in Kentucky. And now that we have a distillery in Kentucky, we felt like it was a great fit. Um, you know, there's a lot of the culinary aspect, a lot of the, um, the, the folks behind the bar really kind of celebrating the all uses of bourbon. Um, and it's, it's just a really cool event with some great talent and, and some great folks. So we, we wanted to be a right. part of it. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing else like it in Kentucky or even the yeah. world. Exactly. Yeah. Of, you know, not only are you able to showcase Kentucky in, the, in, in our biggest product mm. you know too but there's all these wonderful musical artists Absolutely, that are, yeah. that are yeah. there too so what what's kind of in the future then for for Lux Row? like you guys of course have old Ezra mm -hmm. but what's what's a little bit further down the line for you all you know right now uh, you know we've just opened our distillery so we're continuing to build out you know considered just built our distillery which opened in April mm -hmm. um, so we're, you know we're looking to just try to invite as many people as we can to come down explore our brands explore our distillery meet our people yeah. Um, and just kind of enjoy our products with us. Um, you know, right now we've, um, you know, we do have the launch of Old Ezra coming up. Yeah. Um, you know, we've just, uh, 
Um, you know, we had pa our Blood Oath Pack 4 product, which launched this past yeah. April, which has been really successful yeah. for us. It's a uh, um, great tasting product, finished in a toasted oak barrel and got a, got a ton of flavor. So, Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Now, where were you guys located before you had your distillery in Kentucky? Um, we're, our, our parent company is Luxco, is based out of St. Louis. Okay, uh, so, right, yeah. right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So prior to this, so, you know, we, we'd, we'd sourced whiskey uh, prior to this point. Gotcha. So, so it was our time to, to build our own distillery. So Yeah, and I mean, you, you're doing everything in-house yes. now, yeah. too. That's Correct. very yeah. cool and commendable of you yeah. guys. Well, thank you so too. much. Yeah. Well, of course, man. I mean, it's nice to see the craft being, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. localized and centralized to your, to your distillery. Well, man, I appreciate you sitting down with me. No, for, absolutely. For absolutely. Perry's been, it's, it's been fun, man. I know it's been a wild ride for you guys. Uh, Dude, you're telling days, me. So, yeah. You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, I appreciate you. Yeah. Nice meeting you. Perry, thanks so much. Yeah, sure. Awesome. say the absolute biggest of thanks to everybody who is involved with Bourbon and Beyond. All the way up to Danny Wimmer Presents, to Fred Menick, to the city of Louisville, to our friends over SSPR, Tracy and Jamie. We could not have done any of this without you guys. We really appreciate it. We are super excited for next year. We are already planning stuff and looking forward to it. So if you want to follow up with us on social media, you can head to at MyBourbonPod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And then if you would like to check out our apparel, you can head to bourbonshop.threadless.com. And then become a patron of the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash mybourbonpodcast. And there's going to be a whole lot, again, of exclusive content that's going to be released over there, specifically from Bourbon and Beyond. And then we're going to start rolling out some new exclusive content, too, once we hit probably a little bit more uh, of our Patreon goal. But, uh, yeah, that's about it for me. I'm at uh, pritter1492 on social media as well, if you'd like to follow me, too. Uh, next week, again, be on the lookout for that special wrap-up episode with Fred and Autumn and Paul, because that's a lot of fun and a very goofy little conversation. But I hope you check that out. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Give us a rate and review on iTunes. Subscribe uh, wherever you get your, your podcasts from. We will see you next week. But until then, I'm Perry, and this is My Bourbon Podcast. Podcast.